0: No purchase necessary. Void are prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over a hundred social casino style games for free. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com, available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. BGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Three, two, one. Like it like... When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer, Jim Calhoun, NASCAR icon, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreit is on the phone. Here. Episode Sweet. Four. Okay. Oh yeah! The Air Tour Sports Podcast. It is Thursday, July 8th, 2021. People, I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody is having a great week. And I hope you enjoyed what should be the final marquee, big time day in the college basketball offseason. The college basketball offseason has basically never ended. The portal just goes on in perpetuity. It's been a crazy offseason with name, image, likeness, the one time transfer rule, every player getting an extra year of eligibility. But we finally have some clarification as on Wednesday night at midnight. Uh, Players had to officially withdraw or stay in the NBA draft. Essentially, if you wanted to play college basketball this season, you had to announce by midnight Eastern on Wednesday that you are, in fact, returning to college basketball. So what most, if not all, of today's show will be about is that NBA draft deadline. We will talk about some of the marquee players that decided to stay, some of the marquee players that decided to go. And then from there, we will get into my updated top 25. Now there are obviously still a few players in the portal, Kofi Coburn, Marcus Carr, Dawson Garcia, that could have an impact on next year's rosters, next year's rankings, but for the most part, the, these teams, these rosters are finally set as we now know who's coming back, so that will be the bulk of the show, we'll see how long we go at the end, maybe I'll hit on a few other stories from this week, not sure if you saw, but every Miami football player is getting a little cash as part of an NIL deal worth over 500 k so we may hit on that. But again, most of today's show will be on the NBA draft deadline. Couple announcements before we get to the draft deadline. The first one, the first one is that I'm on vacation next week. There will be no new Aaron Torres podcast. In the past, I've done best of shows and all that stuff. But hey, let the kid live. I'm going to be on vacation in Mexico drinking on the beach. So I hope all of you have a great week next week. I will be back Monday the 19th. Monday the 19th is a very noteworthy day for one particular reason. It is the first day of SEC Media Days, and so I'm just warning you, as we, as I come back, I will obviously talk about any relevant basketball news, but the show will start to transition to a little bit more college football, and then obviously we will gear up for September when the games start, the season starts, and we are going to have a blast covering college football. If you're a long-time listener to the show, you know how much I love that sport as well. I've covered it for years, uh, at, first at FoxSports.com, now on Fox Sports Radio, I obviously host the National Fox fox sports radio show every saturday night so uh no shows next week the 19th i am back and we are going to gear up for college football but with that said people there is no more time to waste let's get into what is essentially definitely the topic of the day it was that on wednesday night at midnight eastern so i guess by technically thursday morning midnight at 11 59 whatever you want to say The NBA draft deadline arrived. And so, like I said, for players that wanted to test the NBA draft waters, they could uh, go out, work out for teams, all that stuff. But if they wanted to come back and play college basketball next season in 2021, 2022, they had to withdraw by midnight Eastern on Wednesday. And so, we finally have real clarification on what these teams and rosters are going to look like. Now, as I said a moment ago, it is worth noting there are about three or four marquee players left in the transfer portal that could have an impact on what rosters will look like next coming season. So yes, when Kofi Coburn commits somewhere, if it's Illinois, if it's Kentucky, if it's somewhere else, that will drastically shape what the top 25 looks like. Uh, If Marcus Carr comes back to college, I talked about him on last show, there's reports that he's now looking at overseas options. But if he plays college basketball next year at Texas, at Louisville, uh, frankly, Kentucky, Kansas, I don't see it. But if it's one of those schools, whatever it is, he will impact the rankings. And so same with Dawson Garcia, same with Jaden Shackelford. But for the most part, rosters are officially set. And so Wednesday was a monumental day as to what college basketball will look like going forward. Obviously, the big decisions, the biggest one came, uh, basically the last marquee decision was Johnny Juzang, uh, star of the NCAA tournament for UCLA. Listen, Johnny Juzang, you know, long-term NBA prospect, don't know where he stands, but there is no doubt that he put that entire UCLA program on his back. He had 28 points in a elite eight win against Michigan scored more than half the team's points 29 points against Gonzaga in that final four game he announces that he is coming back we will talk more about what it means for UCLA in a minute but I do think that from a player perspective Johnny Juzang becomes the face of college basketball next year along with some of these marquee freshmen be it Apollo Banchero at Duke uh, 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 Chet Holmgren at Gonzaga Drew Timmy at Gonzaga will be one as well but Johnny Juzang blew up in the NCAA tournament 17 million people watch that Final Four game. I think it's great for college basketball. I think it goes without saying that when you can have somebody that the casual fan now knows, thanks to that tournament run, I think it's great for the sport. I think it'll be great for Johnny Juzang. I will be curious as to what it means in the name image likeness era, even if it just means opening up a cameo account and doing birthday wishes, holiday wishes at a hundred, whatever it means. I do think it'll be good for Johnny Juzang. And I think it'll be good for the sport of college basketball. Uh, UCLA is going to have high profile out of conference games that are now must watch in large part because of him. They play in the CBS Sports Classic. John Rothstein reported that, or I think it was either John Rothstein or Matt Norlander reported that they're working on a game with Gonzaga at some point that may come to fruition. And Johnny Juzang is gonna be the guy that is the face of that. So great for college basketball, great for UCLA. We will get into where they rank momentarily. Another big one that came earlier this week, Hunter Dickinson, the best player on Michigan's Elite Eight team that won the Big Ten regular season title, also announced that he is coming back, big center, 14.7 rebounds per game, and he's another one that the casual fans know. I mean, I remember when Michigan played Ohio State late in the season, one of the final regular season college basketball games. It had a monster rating. It did two, two and a half, three million people on a Sunday afternoon when there was no NFL, and I remember everybody from, you know, Bob Ryan, the famed Boston, uh, you know, Boston uh, whatever, Boston Herald, Boston Globe, whatever, NBA uh, diehard guy said, man, I love watching this guy, and now we get to see him play college basketball again next season. Hunter Dickinson's return is also noteworthy because he's really the first player that said, hey, name, image, likeness is a part of why I came back. It's gonna be nice to know that I will have opportunities to get spending money in my pocket. He didn't say anything specific, but he did an interview with ESPN's Jonathan Gavoni, and he said point blank, name, image, likeness was part of this. It's great, I'm excited to come back, I'm excited to be with my team, but it's also nice to know that I'm going to have a little bit of money. In terms of biggest names to stay in the draft, The biggest one to me is Dwayne Washington. So that actually happened late last week. But Ohio State, in my opinion, was a top 10 team. They were basically returning everybody off of a team that, yes, they lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament to Oral Roberts. But remember, they were still a two seed going into that NCAA tournament. They were in the top 10 most of last year. And I had them about a top five team Dwayne Washington kind of the opposite of Hunter Dickinson in the in the respect that he is not going to be a high NBA draft pick, and I thought name-image likeness may play a role in him deciding to come back, but he elects to stay in the NBA draft. It is worth noting Ohio State, their starting center, E.J. Liddell, who is a pretty good player, decided to return to college. Also, in terms of the big decisions to leave, Aaron Wiggins, a wing from Maryland, second-leading scorer, defender, 36 37% three-point shooter. He looks like an NBA player. And so I don't know that anybody is ultimately all that surprised that he decided to leave. But with him leaving, Maryland was, in my opinion, a top 10, top 12, top 15-type team. I have them at the back end of the teens' early 20s. I should mention, I mentioned it last week, but Josh Primo, of Alabama decided to leave, and of course Jaden Shackelford did return to college basketball, but he is now in the portal. So Alabama, another team that has been hurt a little bit uh, at the NBA draft decision deadline. But as I've said a million times, in NATO I trust, and I do believe that Alabama will be okay going forward. So let's get into my updated post NBA draft deadline, top twenty-five. And again. To be abundantly clear, yes, there are a handful of players at this point that are still in the transfer portal that could shake this thing up a little bit. If Marcus Carr commits to Texas, it is going to change where I have them. If Marcus Carr commits to Louisville, Louisville Louisville's probably a top 25 team in my mind. If Kofi Coburn goes to Kentucky, I don't even know where I would put them, potentially at number one or at worst two or three, uh, right in the conversation as the number one team in the country. If he goes back to Illinois, that's a a team that I believe is now a top 25 team going into next year. Jaden Shackelford, Dawson Garcia, who could end up at North Carolina. So there's a few players that could shake this thing. Up. But again, most of these rosters are done. Most of them are set. And so with that, let's get into my updated top 25 post NBA deadline decision top 25. And the number one team in the country in my uh, post-NBA deadline top 25, it's too many words. The number one team in the country is the UCLA Bruins. And I know that what a lot of you are thinking, Torres, they're overrated. Torres, they're this. If they hadn't had the run in the NCAA tournament, you wouldn't have them there, blah, 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 this and that. All I'll say is this. Look, to a degree, you're right. If they hadn't made a Final Four... I don't know that I would have them at number 1 in the country, but what I would also say is on the flip side, I do believe that the number 1 the the, the way that their season ended was reflective of who they were at their absolute best. Were they great in early to mid January when their leading scorer went out with an injury and another player left the program? No, but as the season went on, they got better, they peaked in the NCAA tournament. And now they return every single player who played a single minute in that Final Four run. The headliner is, of course, Johnny Juzang, who, as I said a minute ago, I believe will now become the face of college basketball in 2021, 2022. He is an elite scorer, 28 points against Gonzaga, twenty or 28 points against Michigan, which was more than half their points in, in that Elite Eight game, 29 points against Gonzaga in what was an all-time classic that 17 million people watched, 23 points against BYU earlier in the NCAA tournament. So this guy was peaking, but it's really everything else around him. First, five guys back who averaged double figures last year. All five starters return again off that Final Four team. Jaime Jaquez is a guy that I have heard he's basically a a stretch four that is getting real NBA draft buzz for the 2023 NBA or 2022 NBA draft. So not this draft cycle, but scouts are already pegging him as a potential first round draft pick. They're going to have a veteran point guard in Tiger Campbell. And oh, by the way, even if you want to argue that well they got hot at the end of the year. They're returning everybody, and they bring in more talent. Peyton Watson is one of the top 10 high school players in America. He's going to be a one-and-done. He's going to be a lottery pick, whether he even starts for UCLA or not. And Miles Johnson was a starter on Rutgers NCAA tournament team last year. And so when I look at UCLA... Five guys who average double figures are coming back next year, and on top of that, I would even argue their second team is a team that would be good enough to make the NCAA tournament. When you look at the fact that Peyton Watson, who could be, again, a potential one-and-done top-ten pick might be coming off the bench. Miles Johnson started for Rutgers Final Four team, might be coming off the bench. David Singleton, 15 points against Alabama, basically saved their bacon against Alabama in the Sweet 16. He will be coming off the bench. Really talented team, really deep team. And like I said, I get it. Yes, part of this has to do with the Final Four, but on top of that, you're telling me that I should put other teams ahead of them that have a bunch of new players. I don't buy it. I would also add, even if you want to argue that UCLA was struggling down the stretch, remember, All the teams they lost to were awesome. Never forget how good the Pac-12 was. Never forget that UCLA, while losing their final four games heading into the NCAA tournament, three of the teams they lost to made the Sweet 16, Oregon, Oregon State, USC. A fourth one, Colorado, made the NCAA tournament. So they lost to four NCAA tournament caliber teams down the stretch. UCLA is my number one team. You can argue with me, but you ain't going to win that argument because I believe they're the best team in the country going into 2021-2022. Number two is Gonzaga. And it's weird... Because, yes, they did lose in the national title game. Yes, we all have a sour taste in our mouths, which is going to lead so many people to saying, well, they're obviously overrated. I mean, look how bad they got beat by Baylor. But they were basically the one or the first or second best team in the country all year. And they just so happen to run into the best team in the title game. Yes, they lost a ton of talent, but it's worth noting they bring back and bring in a ton of talent as well. Obviously, the most noteworthy name is Drew Timmy, star of that team, 19 points, five, six rebounds per game, I would argue along with Hunter Dickinson, who I just mentioned, along with um, a few other players, Kofi Coburn, wherever he ends up. Drew Timmy is going to be another one of the faces of college basketball just because of how good that he was last year, especially in that Final Four game against UCLA. Andrew Nemhard comes back as a fourth-year player, former Top 30 recruit who started his career at Florida, nine points, five assists last year. And then, of course, it's about what Gonzaga did in the offseason. They brought in the number one high school player in America, Chet Holmgren. They brought in two five-star players and Hunter Salas, and Nolan Hickman for the backcourt. They brought in Rasir Bolton, who was leading Iowa State in the Big 12 in scoring last year at over 16 points per game, and what I would finally say is what's crazy about Gonzaga last year, they had guys on the bench that didn't even play that are former top 100 recruits that, as we know at Gonzaga, program that is great at developing players, getting them to, to kind of uh, in over a two, three, four year span turn into college stars like a Corey Kispert, like a Joel Ayai, like a, a a Rui Hachimura, guys that evolve into NBA players. And they got a couple of those guys, Julian Strother, Dominic Harris, Ben Gregg, all former top 100 recruits that didn't even see the floor last year. And so when I look at Gonzaga, what I see is a team that essentially has about eight, nine guys. They're all former top 100 recruits. They have one of the most established players in college basketball coming back. They have one of the, be- they have one of the best, if not the best, freshmen in college basketball coming in. And I'm sorry, you can tell me they're overrated. Me- I'm just telling you, they have one of the most talented rosters in college basketball. Does it mean they're gonna win a national championship? Does it not? Will they ever? I don't know. What I'm just telling you is they are good enough, they will be good enough again to win it next year. Don't know if it's gonna happen, but they will be good enough. Number three is Villanova. And Villanova's interesting, and I'll tell you why. Villanova is interesting because when the NCAA put in this extra year of eligibility... I think we all looked at it from who are the guys that are going to enter the portal and be have an extra year of college basketball that are going to shake things up. So you have a guy like Kellen Grady at, at Kentucky that played four years at Davidson. You have Remy Martin, played four years at Arizona that, that is now returning to college basketball and going to Kansas. It has shaken up the top, of this class, uh, uh, the top of this top 25. It has shaken up college basketball. It has brought a lot of players back. But as it pertains to Villanova, they were the biggest winner in terms of players that that were already in their program deciding to come back and use the extra year of eligibility. Colin Gillespie, their point guard, second leading scorer, 14 points per game. Jermaine Samuels, their third leading scorer, both decided to use an extra year of eligibility that fifth year to come back to college. And now you look at a Villanova team that was basically ranked in the top five all of last year, They were trending towards a number one seed until Gillespie got hurt in the final week of the season. Of course, they struggle from there. They lose a few games. They lose early in the Big East tournament, and they get knocked out in the Sweet 16 against Baylor. But that team returned seven of its top nine players in large part because the NCAA gave an extra year of eligibility to Villanova. They are number three in my mind. They are just going to be a well-oiled machine going into 2021-2022. At number four, how about my boy Dollar Bill Self? That's right. I'll be honest when I looked at his roster two weeks ago I said "Ah, I don't really know what to make of Bill Self maybe not two weeks ago maybe a month six weeks ago but what has happened with with Kansas and Dollar Bill Self ever since is this first of all Two of their top three scorers tested the NBA draft waters, both decided to come back. Ochai Abaji, who I think is in the running for Big 12 Player of the Year, he will be really good for them next year. Jalen Wilson averaged 11 points per game. But I think on top of that, what's important is what I just mentioned. Remy Martin, two-time All-Pac-12 guard, is has decided to transfer from Arizona State, use his extra year of eligibility, and go to Kansas. And so when you look at Kansas, they now have a point guard that is a two-time All-Pac-12 guy. I know people would argue, well, he's a little Turnover-prone, he's a little bit of this, he's a little bit of that. Bill Self is an incredible coach, and I've been critical of him for some other stuff, but the guy is an incredible coach. This is his kind of team. It's not filled with a bunch of elite NBA talents and elite NBA players. Those are the teams that, ironically, he struggles with. He struggled when he had uh, Andrew Wiggins. He struggled... When he had Kelly Oubre, he struggled with some of the other elite high school players that he has had. This is a veteran team. It's a team that's comfortable in a system, and he's got his point guard to run it. I really like Kansas going into next season. I have them at number four in large part because I think Remy Martin takes them to another level. And this might be Bill Self's best chance to win a national title in a long time. I know two years ago they would have been the number one team in the country going into the 2020 NCAA tournament that never was played. But this team is really good. I'm really excited. Remy Martin is the X factor for them and again I even though I know he played a little bit out of control at Arizona State I think he'll be really good. Number 5 is Purdue. And Purdue is one I will probably get a lot of pushback on because there's nothing super sexy about Purdue. They haven't they don't have the top 5 McDonald's All-Americans like a Gonzaga does. They don't have the the super marquee returning players like UCLA does. They don't have the super marquee transfers like a Kentucky, a Texas and Arkansas do. They're just really good. But one thing I will say about this, doing a list like this, is what it's what's always tough is it's tough to gauge who's really good now, right now, as I do this list, who will be really good come the opening night of the season and who will be really good come March. And so what I would say about Purdue, I don't know that their ceiling is as high as a Texas, as a Kentucky, as an Arkansas, as the teams above them, Gonzaga, UCLA, Kansas, but they're really good right now. This is a team that was in the top 20 for most of January, February, March last year. They finished fourth in the Big Ten, and they return everyone. From that team that finished in the top 10, top 15 nationally, it was a four seed in the NCAA tournament. I would add Jaden Ivey, their point guard, has been balling out for the U19 team. You talk about a guy that is completely off the radar, that could be a first-team All-American, play his way into a first-round NBA draft pick type situation next year. Jaden Ivey is that guy. For me, Travion Williams down low is a monster. Number six, guess who's back, back again, Call a friend. Coach Cal is back, baby. That is right. Listen, I've talked about Kentucky so much this offseason. We don't have to spend a ton of time breaking it down. But John Calipari, after last season, he basically said, look, I hope you guys got your fun in. I hope you guys got your kicks in, because guess what? We are coming back with a vengeance next year. That's exactly what he has done. He revamped his coaching staff, bringing in his longtime trusted assistant, Orlando Antigua. He brought in Chin Coleman, the, uh, another elite recruiter and coach from Illinois, and from there, they have gotten rolling. Four marquee transfers, technically this offseason, one of them came in January, but Severe Wheeler, All SEC point guard, first in the SEC in assists. I believe he will once again lead the SEC in that category. The exact kind of table setting college point guard that's really good that Kentucky has lacked wants to get others involved wants to be a great team player Kentucky's really lacked that certainly last year maybe even a couple years before on top of that CJ Frederick who shot 46 percent from three over two years at Iowa has transferred in he's obviously played high school basketball in Kentucky so that is why he is back Kellen Grady 17 plus points per game uh, at Davidson over the last three or four years did an article on him recently talked to some A-10 coaches they basically said look I don't care what level this guy plays at he is a bucket getter he will get buckets assuming there's no more transfer portal craziness at Kentucky I think Kellen Grady could actually lead the team in scoring and then Oscar Sheboy former McDonald's All-American transferred in in January from West Virginia Ty Ty Washington a five-star point guard uh, at the, in the high school ranks has come in and oh by the way Kentucky also got back its leading scorer, Davion Mintz, from last year and Keon Brooks, who I think is due for a breakout season this coming year at Kentucky. This is Calipari's deepest team in a long time, since 2015. I would argue maybe his most versatile team yet. You're going to have two great playmakers at the point guard position. I think Kellen Grady can even play point guard in a pinch. You're going to have elite three-point shooting. You're going to be able to go big. You're going to be able to go small. And the crazy thing about Kentucky is they might not be done. I've talked about Jalen Duran, Jalen however you pronounce his name, the number one high school player in America who's going to reclassify his final three is Kentucky, Miami, and Memphis at the college level. He could very well take a pro option, but if he goes to college, it'll be one of those three. Don't know that he's number one, don't know that he's number two. I'm just telling you is that Kentucky is in the mix there, and they're also in the mix for Kofi Cooper Now, there's more buzz that he could return to Illinois, but I have been adamant that if he does stay in college, or if he does, excuse me, elect to transfer, that Kentucky could very well be the spot for Kofi Coburn. So if they add Kofi Coburn, like I said, I can't even begin to imagine what Kentucky would be like. I think you could legitimately make the case for them as the number one team in the country, but they are so deep. They are so versatile. They do so many different things at an elite level this coming season. Yes, it may take a couple weeks, but I really don't even think it'll take that long for them to gel because they do have the normal offseason. They're a bunch of veterans. They've all played college basketball. I cannot wait for that opener against Duke. Number seven, after Kentucky. The only program that I would argue has had as big of a transformation from the end of the season, besides Kentucky, is Texas. And I've talked a ton about Texas. We don't need to break it down minute for minute, all that stuff. But I've said it all along, and I truly believe it. Chris Beard was one defensive stop at Texas Tech from winning a national championship at Texas Tech. So he would not have left Texas Tech if he did not believe that the school that he was going to next – Could compete for national championships every single season that's what he views Texas as he views Texas as a school that he believes that he Chris Beard can get to the level of Duke Kentucky North Carolina Kansas Villanova Gonzaga competing for championships every year now I'm not saying every coach in America could do that I'm not saying it's North Carolina where Roy Williams Dean Smith maybe Hubert Davis can all have them at an elite level I'm not saying it's Kansas where basically every coach of the last 100 years has won big but Chris Beard believes he can win at the highest level at Texas, and they're doing it so far in the transfer portal. They're right up there along with Arkansas, Kentucky, uh, a couple other schools as the biggest winners as they they have brought in five marquee transfers. I've talked about them, but they have Timmy Allen, an all-pack 12 guard, they have Dylan Dissou, 15-9 at Vanderbilt, leading rebounder in the SEC. They have Christian Bishop starting, starting center on Creighton' Sweet 16 team. They have uh, Trey Mitchell, who averaged 18-7 and seven at UMass. And, of course, Devin Askew, what I would also say is on top of that, three marquee returnees from a team that was in the top 15 all year, Courtney Ramey, Andrew Jones, both average double figures. And also, they bring in a five-star Jalen Tyson. The crazy part about Texas, like I said, like Kentucky, like North Carolina, they might not be done as they are very much in the mix for Marcus Carr. And if if they get Marcus Carr, I think that puts them over the top. I think that puts them in the top three, four nationally. That depends, of course, on what Kentucky does on any other transfer portal buzz. But I think they're top two, top three, top four in the country with Marcus Carr. They are another team to watch out for going forward. Number eight, it is the Duke Blue Devils. And it's funny because I, I've been seen as a Duke hater over the last couple of years. I'm not a Duke hater. I'm a Duke realist. I think sometimes they are overrated. Certainly last year, I'll be honest, I don't think Coach K wanted to coach at all during the pandemic, and it showed. Well, Coach K's back. We got the farewell tour coming. He's got a stacked squad. He's got a stacked squad that has the balance of some of the elite of the elite freshman players. Paulo banquero I truly believe, is the most NBA ready of all the freshmen in college basketball. I think he will be in the running for the number one pick next year. On top of him, Trevor Keels, five-star point guard. On top of him, A.J. Griffin, five-star wing, whose dad is an NBA assistant head coach. And they also bring back some really nice pieces from last season. as As Jeremy Roach is back, he kind of really kind of Uh, got comfortable in that point guard role he had been coming off of a major knee injury mark williams a big center wendell moore a former top 20 recruit he will come into his own at some point during his duke career i actually really like duke a lot believe it or not they have not won a acc regular season title since 2010 i think they should be in the hunt for it this year number nine is Michigan and I talked about it earlier the marquee news here Hunter Dickinson the big seven foot one behemoth down low has decided to come back he of course obviously like Kofi Coburn like a lot of these other guys will have to be able to show an ability to stretch the floor to play at the NBA level he's mostly a low post guy but he is going to be one of the faces of college basketball and he is probably bluntly my preseason national player of the year going into next year on top of him Michigan also brings back Eli Brooks, kind of an important cog. He's another player that used that extra year of eligibility. Eli Brooks will be back next season They also bring in the number one recruiting class in the country. I don't think a lot of people realize this. It's not Duke. It's not Kentucky. It's not North Carolina that has the number one recruiting class in the country. It was Michigan this year. Three McDonald's All-Americans, most notably Caleb Houston, a big wing who I think will be an NBA player. My only concern with Michigan, they lose a ton of three-point shooting off last year's team. And so because of it, if they can't shoot the three ball as well, are they as effective with Hunter Dickinson down low? Don't know that it matters right this second. Michigan. Number nine, they are phenomenal, really excited. And number 10, woo, pig suey. I got the Arkansas Razorbacks at number 10 because here's the thing. Eric Musselman has always been great in the transfer portal, but Eric Musselman, this year has great returning players on top of the transfer portal stuff. You have Devontae Davis who hit one of the biggest shots in the history of the program to send them to the Elite Eight to beat or- uh, Oral Roberts in the Sweet 16. You have Jalen Williams who I believe was one of the most underappreciated big men in college basketball last year back. You have J.D. Note, who was actually leading Arkansas in scoring in their Elite Eight game against Baylor before he followed out. And on top of all that you have a great transfer portal Class that has five marquee transfers, the most notable ones. Chris Likes averaged 15 points per game at Miami last year. Audis Tony, and I don't think that's how you say his name, but I can't remember how you say it. Audiz Tony averaged 15 a game at Pitt. I'll get the name pronunciation correct by the end by the start of the season. 15 a game at Pitt. Stanley Amude, who I actually interviewed on my YouTube channel. You can go check that out. Stanley Amude averaged 22 points per game at South Dakota last year. He is awesome. Jackson Robinson, Trey Wade are guys that I believe can develop as well. But Arkansas is number 10. Quickly to recap my top 10. Number one is is UCLA number two is Gonzaga number three is Villanova number four Kansas number five Purdue number six Kentucky seven Texas eight Duke nine Michigan ten Arkansas what I want to do now is just very quickly go through the rest of my top 25 I am not going to spend a ton of time on each but if there's an interesting story or narrative I'll hit on it really quick Number 11, I have the defending national champion, Baylor. Now, they do lose four starters, but it's worth noting that they had two guys off the bench that basically played the minutes of starters, Matthew Mayer, uh, also uh, Flo Thamba, along with returnee Jonathan Chama-Chachwa, but on top of that, Adam Flagler played big minutes and They added James Akinjo, another all pack 12 guard who played at Arizona last year, 16 points per game, five assists. One of the toughest guys in college basketball. Sean Miller loved this kid. He raved about this kid would go to war for this kid. I think if he had come back to Arizona, there would have been a legitimate argument for Arizona to be a top 20 or so team, by the way, well, I don't think you should have fired Sean Miller still because you had a team that was in the top 15, top 20 of Sean Miller returns, but he ends up at Baylor. I think Baylor is going to be really good. Number 12, is Oregon. And I'll just say on Oregon really quick, um, you know, we talk about the ability of a Chris Beard, a John Calipari, a Coach K and Eric Musselman to flip over their roster every year and have success. Dana Altman kind of does the same. Does have some nice returning pieces, but more importantly, was aggressive in the portal. Quincy Guerriere, Syracuse's second leading scorer. He decides to leave, go to Oregon. Davion Harmon decides to leave Oregon and or decides to leave Oklahoma after Lon Kruger retired. And he, in fact, goes to Oregon as well. They have a McDonald's All-American in Nathan Biddle. And so you look at the Oregon Ducks, I think they're the second best team by far in the Pac-12. On top of that, just in the last couple days, they added Jacob Young, another starter from Rutgers Sweet 16 team. 13 is Houston. Goes without saying. Every year, we just kind of write them off. Every year, they're awesome. They have Marcus Sasser, who was basically the only guy that showed up for them in that Final Four game against Baylor. He is back. Also, Kyler Edwards, who was a star at Texas Tech, has transferred in. Number 14, Tennessee. I actually really like Tennessee next year. I thought last year, the one thing they really lacked was a playmaker, a guy that could create for others. This year, they got two of them. Kennedy Chandler, the top point guard in the freshman class. Justin Powell, who was a star at Auburn last year before he got injured. I like both of them. John Fulkerson is back. I have Tennessee at number 14. 15 is UConn. How about my Huskies? UConn having the most boring offseason in college basketball. I thought when you entered the college basketball offseason, you had to hit the portal. You had to be aggressive. You had to, uh, you know, sign a million transfers. UConn, this is what they lost this offseason. They lost James Booknight, a lottery pick who they knew was leaving before the season even started. They lost two grad transfers who weren't going to play next year, Brendan Adams and also Josh Carlton everybody else comes back and they sign no players via the portal. I thought you had to sign at least three or four players from the portal in 2021, not UConn. Boring offseason, they are the second best team in the Big East, according to me. Alabama at number 16. Now, I had Alabama in the top 10 before the Jaden Shackelford and Josh Primo news, but I would also say, I think in some regards, they might. it might be better for them in the big picture. One, I'm not trying to criticize a kid, but if you have a kid that that led your team in scoring and led your team in shot attempts and he's still not happy if he's coming back that might cause problems in the locker room I also think the backcourt is really deep really aggressive and maybe losing two guys actually allows a tighter rotation guys to know their roles I think Alabama is going to be really good next year UNC 17 I'll give Hubert Davis credit I actually think he's done a great job since he's been in. And the thing that I like the most, he's kind of put his own stamp on the program. So if you follow college basketball religiously, you know Roy Williams has generally liked to play two big guys down low, two low post players. Hubert Davis has said since he came in, we're going to modernize this bad boy. We're going to stretch the floor out. They signed Brady Manick from Oklahoma. They may get Dawson Garcia, the Marquette transfer. And when they do, that stretches the floor, that allows their guards to get more penetration, that allows more three-point shooting. I think Caleb Love will thrive in this role. Caleb Love, a former McDonald's All-American. I have UNC at number 17. And they may move up a spot or two if Dawson Garcia comes. Number 18, Oklahoma State. So Oklahoma State, I am the only person that I can tell that has Oklahoma State in my top 25. I think they're going to be awesome. So when I look at Oklahoma State, what I see is a team, yes, they lost Cade Cunningham, but they literally bring back everybody else off a team that I think you could argue is one of the top uh, top 10 teams in the country by the end of the season. Never forget, they beat Baylor in the Big 12 tournament. One of only two teams to beat Baylor all year. They were one. Uh, they beat West Virginia twice in the final week of the season, including the Big 12 tournament. They beat Oklahoma. Tw- I mean, you're talking about a team that had nine or 10 wins against AP Top 25 teams. They returned everyone other than Cade Cunningham. And they also have a point guard named Isaac Likely who was really good two years ago, took a step back because Cade Cunningham was in town. So I actually think this team is going to be really good. I have Oklahoma State at number 18. Number 19, Maryland, I talked about. They would be higher, but they lost Andrew Wiggins. uh, And not Andrew Wiggins, Aaron Wiggins, excuse me, their big wing. I still think they'll be good, but not elite. Number 20, Florida State, they lose a ton. But I mean, are you betting against Leonard Hamilton at this point? 21, Virginia, kind of the same story. They lose basically everybody except for Kihei Clark. They did do well in the portal, but keep this in mind. Virginia has finished either first or second in the ACC in seven of the last eight years. I'm not betting against them. Number 22, St. Bonaventure. I'll I'll be brief on this one, but they won the A-10 regular season title. They won the A-10 tournament title. They got a number nine seed last year, and they return everybody. This is a team that was probably one of the 30 best teams in college basketball last year. They return everybody off that team. They're going to be really good. If you like to bet, they're going to be about the safest bet going. 23, Auburn. Love what Bruce Pearl did this offseason. Added Walker Kessler on top of a five-star named Jabari Smith. Auburn is going to be really good. They added a bunch of nice guards as well. 24, Colorado State. So Colorado State was the second-to-last team out of the NCAA tournament. Louisville was the 69th team. Colorado State was 70 Colorado State would have been the last team in if Georgetown and Oregon State had not won their Pac-12 and Big East regular uh, championships. So basically, Georgetown and Oregon State steal bids. If they don't, Colorado State is going to the tournament. They return all five starters. Finally, Ohio State I have at number 25. Again, they lose to Wayne Washington, but they still have enough. I trust Chris Holtman. Ohio State is at number 25. They fell pretty far, though. Next five out, LSU, my boy Will Wade. Aggressive in the portal, Adam Miller, Xavier Pinson, who came from Missouri, they had a five-star named Efton Reed, LSU number 26, 27, Indiana, my boy Mike Woodson, he's back, he never left people. They're going to be really good. My only reason I can't, I think they have top 25 talent, but when you don't have a single player on your roster has ever played in the NCAA tournament, you don't have a coach who has ever coached a college basketball game, hard for me to put you in the top 25. Mike Effin Woodson, baby, I trust him. They're at number 27. 28, USC, I forgot to mention Isaiah Mobley. Really, really, really important piece. Evan Mobley's brother decides to come back. He played great in the NCAA tournament, 18 and 12 against Gonzaga. I think he's a breakout star. 29, Michigan State, 30 Belmont all right I think that's it for this episode of the Aaron Torres sports podcast I was gonna do some NIL stuff I was gonna do all sorts of uh, uh, sorts of good stuff but you know what we did enough on the NBA draft deadline and so let's get out of here by the way before I get out of here how about a quick shout out to someone who's not a friend of the Aaron Torres podcast but basically is a friend of the Aaron Torres podcast and that's our buddy Torrent Craig slash Tory Craig okay so Torrent Craig if you'll remember Torrent Craig when I got when the entire country of Australia got mad at me cuz I made fun of their professional basketball league the NBL all these Australian people tried to tell me all these great players the league has produced and one of them was Torrent Craig now it turns out his name was actually Tory Craig but that's what it speaks to as to how far how how decent I don't think the league is bad But they were trying to make it out to be the NBA. So they're like, our league is so good, we produced Terrence Ferguson and Torrent Craig. Uh, Torrent Craig isn't even a person. So that's why I always say shout out to Torrent Craig at the end of the show. But Torrent Craig is actually Torrey Craig, plays for the Phoenix Suns. But here is the interesting backstory on Torrent Craig. Torrent Craig slash Torrey Craig played for the Milwaukee Bucks this season before he got traded to the Phoenix Suns. And so Torrent Craig, no matter what happens in these NBA Finals... Torrent Craig is going to get an NBA Finals ring, so a special shout-out of the day to Torrent Craig, but most of today's show was about the college basketball NBA draft deadline, and again, that top 10, I'll be quick. Number one is UCLA, number two is Gonzaga, number three, Nova, number four, Kansas, number five, Purdue, six, Kentucky, seven, Texas, eight, Duke, nine, Michigan, 10, Arkansas, and then 11 to 25, Baylor, Oregon, Houston, Tennessee, UConn, top 11-15, to 15, Bama at 16, UNC at 17, Oklahoma, eight, Oklahoma State, excuse me, 18, Maryland 19, Florida State 20, Virginia 21, St. Bonaventure 22, Auburn 23, Colorado State 24, Ohio State 25. I would also add LSU, Indiana, USC, Michigan State, and Belmont rounding out the top 30. But with that said, that is all for today's Aaron Torres podcast. Last episode before vacation, I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I appreciate your guys' support. I've told you, This is supposed to be a slow time. You guys continue to listen. You continue to have interest in what I do, and I cannot thank you enough for the support. If you're not subscribed to the Aaron Torres Podcast, please make sure to do so. iTunes, the Podcast Addict app. If you have an Android, The Podcast Addict app is the way to go. Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed to the Aaron Torres Podcast. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. A reminder No new episodes next week as I will be away, but I do hope you guys have a great last week. Before we start to transition to some college football, as I said, SEC Media Days is on Monday the 19th. That is probably the first show after I get back. I actually get back from vacation on the 15th, so we will see if I do a late episode next week. But for the most part, it's probably going to be full speed ahead with college football when I get back. So get excited. And by the way, I should mention before I get out of here, By the time I get back, Kofi Coburn will probably have committed. I will talk about it at some point. Um, Also, Marcus Carr might commit. Dawson Garcia might commit. So we'll still talk basketball. But we're going to have a lot of college football to get into. But I want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you, guys. I hope you guys have a great next week. I hope you enjoyed this show. Shout out to UCLA fans. Shout out Gonzaga, Kentucky, Texas. It's Arkansas, Alabama, UNC, whoever. It's going to be a fun year in college basketball. Rosters are finally set. I will be back a week from now, July 19th. But once again, shout out to Torrent Craig, the NBA champion. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. I will be back July 19th. Hope you guys have a great week. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. group void work prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.